I, I don't know about you, but I feel exhausted just watching that. <laughs> so you'll be pleased to know that this week we are on week two of our series, Breathing Room. Let's all just take a deep breath in, shall we? Yep, and breathe out. See, you're already starting to feel better. My name is Jen. For those of you that don't know me, I'm one of the team here. If you didn't get teaching notes when you came in, just put your hand up and one of the stewards or the Connect team will bring those to you. Well, as I said, we're on week two this week of our series, Breathing Room. And you know, Breathing Room is about the space between our current pace and our limits. Breathing Room is the space between our current pace, the pace at which we're living life, and our limits. Now, I wonder if any of you have a cupboard at home that looks something like this. Last week, Steve, Steve used this, and I was sitting on the front row with my husband, and I said, honey, that looks a bit like your wardrobe. <laughs> and, and did you know that actually we have three, a row of three fitted wardrobes in our bedroom? <laughs> And my husband has two of those, and it still looks like that. <laughs> uh, well, it's okay for your wardrobe, or maybe the boot of your car, or perhaps your garage, to look something like that. But it is not okay for your life to look like that. It's not okay for your finances to look like that. It's not okay for your relationships to look like that. It's not okay for your schedule to look like that. You see, we were not designed, God did not make us to live life where we're living it, where we're trying to just stuff in so much into our lives that we're always living life at the very max of our limits and we have no room to breathe and no margin. That is not the way that God designed us to live our life. In fact, what God actually says when he looks at this is, are you tired? Are you tired? Anyone here this morning, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burnt out? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling stressed? Do you have areas of life where there's no margin? He says, I want to I teach you a different way. I want to teach you how to have breathing room. Because you see, life is better when we have room to breathe. You see, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But you see, the problem is that when we're in this place, when we're overwhelmed and we're stressed and we're anxious and we're fraught and totally squeezed, we feel, I don't know how to get out of that. I don't even know how to begin to get to that place. And it can feel impossible. And it can feel as though, you know what, I'm at the mercy of this. I, I can't do anything to change it. But change is possible. And not only is change possible, it is necessary. 
We were not made to function like that. Living life to the limit with no room to breathe and no margin, we were made to live life lightly and freely with margin and room to breathe. And so over these next three weeks, we're going to be looking at how do we get there? How do we go from that to that in our finances, in our relationships? And today, we're going to be looking at how do we make that transition in our schedules? My husband loves to read, and he's been collecting books. He's going to be 50 this year. And, um, and he's been collecting books, I think, since he was born, <laughs> because we have so many books. In fact, a lot of our books are in, in the um, loft, because we don't have enough bookcases to contain all the books. And so every time that I get to preach, he says to me, Jen, what are you preaching on this time? And then he goes up to the loft and searches all the bookcases, and he's like, oh, I've got, I've got, like, comes back with a pile of books. Oh, I've got all these books on that subject. And then he'll say to me, oh, this book's got a brilliant chapter on that, because it's just got this amazing memory, and, um, which is a real asset, actually, when you're a preacher, to have a husband that is like that, so thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but um, anyway, he, one of the books that he gave me this time was this book, and I just wanted to read this to you, because it did make me laugh. So... Um, this guy is talking about how do you find the time that you never knew that you had? We all want to know the answer to that, don't we? And he talks about doubling up, okay, doing two things at once, which is ironic because nowadays, actually, we, we discourage people from doing that. We en encourage people to be in the moment and to focus. But this is what he says. Passive activities are easy to double up. When the barber cuts our hair, our hands are free, along with our eyes to read a book or journal. Jesus caught up on his sleep while crossing the Sea of Galilee in a boat. It works in reverse too. My wife cleans the kitchen counters and sink while she's on the phone. She's got a long cord. When the phone call is over, so is a job in the kitchen. A housewife can do lots of mini jobs while she's talking on the phone. <laughs> A list of mini-jobs near the telephone will remind you to double up, to clean a drawer, stack the dishwasher, or clean the oven while talking. Ladies, aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> well, you'll be pleased to know that I won't be using uh, the content of that book, but I do want to look at, you know, what does the Bible say about how do we make this transition from actually this to there? How do we create breathing room in our schedule? And I believe the first thing that we need to recognize is, number one, our time is limited. In the book of Job, it says a person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. Do you know that you have been chosen by God? In fact, you were chosen by God even before you were born. God determined the time in which you were going to be born. He determined the generation in which you were going to be born into. In fact, he even determined the geographical location where you would be born, the language that you would speak. And he also determined how long you would live for. Our, our time is limited. We have all been given a limited amount of time. Now, as Christians, we believe that when we die, we're going to spend eternity with Jesus. And that's going to go on forever and ever. But this time here on earth, 
is a gift that God has given to us, and it has a time limit. It has a time frame. And that's a very sobering thought, isn't it? It's not something we necessarily like to talk to, but we must talk about it. We must, because our time is running out. You see, you can overspend, you can overeat, you can overachieve, but you cannot overlive. Time is your most valuable asset because there is not going to be any more of it. Moses in Psalm 90 says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. He says, Lord, teach us to live in the reality that our time is limited. Help us, Lord, not to bury our head in the sand and to think, oh, there's always tomorrow. Teach us, Lord, not to take our lives for granted. Why does he pray that? He says, so that we may grow in wisdom. You see, when we recognize that our time is limited, we become wise. You see, the big question when we're looking at this, when we're looking at our schedules, when we're looking at the time that we have, is actually, what is the wise thing to do? When we recognize that we only have a limited amount of time, and one day that time is going to be up, what is the wise thing to do with our time? And in order to help us answer this, I want us to look at at four things that we know about time, but we choose to ignore. Number one, investing small amounts of time over time is cumulative. Investing small amounts of time over time is cumulative. Let's take something like exercise, for example. If you decide to exercise 30 minutes a day, three days a week, week after week, month after month, year after year, it's cumulative. If you want to learn a musical instrument, you practice two days a week, one hour a day, week after week, month after month, year after year. It's cumulative. It builds over time. But there is no benefit in one instalment. Now, I think that's a bit inconvenient, don't you? I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if we only had to go to the gym once and we walked out of the doors after having that 30-minute workout on the treadmill and people were like, Wow, look at that. You look so toned. You look so, so sleek and slim. And I mean, that would be great, wouldn't it? But that's not how God has made it. That actually, it's small deposits of time over time that make a difference. And there is no uh, consequence if you miss one installment. So as long as you're making those consistent deposits of time over time, it builds up. The second thing that we know about time but we choose to ignore is that neglect is cumulative too. If you choose not to exercise 30 minutes a day, week after week, month after month, then actually that's also cumulative because it's small deposits of time over time that make the difference. Neglect is easy, but it's also very costly. I remember when I was at university and borrowing some library books and um, you know, I looked at when I had to take them back, but I thought, it's okay, because, you know, back then, it only cost like 10p for a library fine or something like that. And I was like, it's fine, it's 10p, it's not going to make a difference. So I can extend it by a week or two weeks, maybe. Well, those weeks turn into months, maybe even a year. I can't exactly remember. All I know is that over time, those, 
that actually small deposits of neglect over time, suddenly that library fine went from 10 pence to not just pounds, but tens of pounds. At a moment in my life when I didn't have the money to be spending on library fines, neglect is easy, but it's also costly because it's cumulative. Thirdly, random has no cumulative value. There is no value in the random things that we opt for over the important things. If we take the example of exercise again, if in my left hand I've got the 30 minutes of exercise three times a week, week after week, month after month, and in this hand, in my right hand, I've got all the random things that I did instead of that 30 minutes of exercise, what do I have? Nothing. In fact, can you actually remember what the random things were that you did instead of the 30 minutes of exercise? Probably not. Because random has no cumulative value. And you see, this is really important because when we neglect the important things for a bunch of random things, what we end up with is nothing. Fourthly, in the areas that matter most, you cannot make up for misspent time. We cannot get time back. And this is really important because, you see, you cannot pull an all-nighter. You cannot cram in the important areas of life. The problem is, though, that does work in some cases, in some areas of our lives. I can remember sitting on the school bus and revising from my French vocabulary test and getting 10 out of 10, and all it took was the bus ride. Maybe some of you here, you know, you've had presentations at work, and you've forgotten about it, or you've left it to the last minute, so you turn up an hour early, or you stay up the night before, and you pull it together, and you know what people say, wow, that was amazing, and you think, yeah, maybe I could do this again. You know, maybe this works for me. Maybe I can apply this to every area of my life. It's a mistake. Because in the important areas of life, we cannot cram. You see, it might work for school. It might work for exams. It might work for presentations. But it doesn't work for relationships. It generally doesn't work for finances. It doesn't work for spiritual maturity. It doesn't work in the area of character. In the areas that matter most, we cannot claim back that time and make up for it in that one installment. We cannot make up for misspent time because it's, what is it? Small deposits of time over time that make a difference. Do you want to say that together? It's small deposits of time that make a difference. Small deposits of time that make a difference. You see, the Apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Ephesians. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. You see, Paul understood something. He understood that your time equals your life. Your time is your most valuable asset. And he uses this little phrase, making the most, making the most of your time. And that phrase, making the most, it actually means to redeem the time, to get full value out of the time. He's saying, hey, you need to be careful about how you use your time. And he goes on to explain why. 
He says, because the days are evil. He's talking about the times in which they lived, the times in which they lived were evil, the culture around them. And you know, the, the time, us Christians, we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. And Paul is saying, hey, wake up. We need to be savvy. We need to be alert. We need to be careful. We need to make the most of this time. We need to make sure that we're not being swayed by the culture around us and being dictate, allowing the culture around us to dictate the pace of our life, allowing the culture around us to dictate how we um, you know, do our schedules. No, actually, we need to recognize that our time is limited. We need to make the most of every opportunity. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Could it be that the difference between this and this is because we are allowing the culture around us and the people around us to dictate the pace of our life rather than seeking what the Lord's will is for our lives? Could it be? You know, Jesus, Jesus modeled this. You see, because Jesus was able to live in the world and walk around and move around the world, the, the society he lived in, and yet he, he was not dictated to by that. Do you know why? Because Jesus lived in constant relationship with his Father in heaven. The Bible tells us that, you know what? Jesus was doing with those small deposits of time over time. He was spending time with his father. You see, Jesus said he never did anything except what the father told him. Jesus allowed his father in heaven to set his agenda. Irrespective of whatever was going on around him, he wasn't swayed by that. You know, Jesus was not stressed. He wasn't overwhelmed. He was never in a rush. He was never in a hurry. Because he was able to live in constant relationship with the Father. He always did what he saw the Father doing. And I believe that if we're going to start to redeem the time, if we're going to start to look at this and think, how can I begin to make this transition from here to here? I believe the very first deposit of time that we need to make is time with the Father. And we need to make that time not just as a one-off. It's not just the one installment. No, we need to make that small deposit of time day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. You know, the reason I think why, why we find that so difficult, why we find it's so difficult to make time in our, in our schedule for God is because I think sometimes we just see having time with God as another thing to add to our agenda. It's like another thing on our to-do list. Oh no, I need to read my Bible on top of all of this. And then I need to pray and I need to worship and oh my goodness, you know, it's just another thing to do. Can I encourage you to reframe that? Can I encourage you to, to consider this, that the person who knows you the best and loves you the most 
would just really love it if you stopped by sometime to say hello. He's not expecting anything from you. He just wants you to come into his presence, just to sit and, and to be. Let's not make time with God another thing on our to-do list. Let's get into the presence of God and allow our Father to speak to us. You know, many of you, I'm sure, know, know the, the verse in the Bible that, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But do you know the lines before that? Jesus is talking about his relationship with the Father, how he's, it's just, that's how, he, that's how he walks, always, every day with the Father. And he says, he says this in the message version. He says, I've got all of these plans. And you know what? I am willing to go through these plans line by line with anyone willing to listen. I read that in the message. I thought, yes, Jesus, count me in. I want that. I want that. Can you go through it line by line? Jesus, I need that level of detail. I don't always get things quickly. I need you to show me line by line. Jesus, can you show me that? Can you show me your plans? Because I want your plan for my life. I don't want to be pulled into what the world says. I don't want to be dictated to by the culture around me and allow them to dictate the pace. I want to know how you live, Jesus. I want, I want to know, will you teach me, Jesus, to learn to, learn to live your way? Because you say your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Friends, we need to get into the presence of God. And we need to begin to have this conversation where we're looking at our lives and asking God what needs to change? What do I need to take out? What do I need to add in? What do I need to do less of? We need to take inventory. And I believe that we need to, to take inventory in light of, of three questions. First of all, we need to take inventory in, in light of our past experiences. You see, sometimes the past can impact the way that we live in the present and can impact our future. I had an experience three years ago where I, that radically changed the way that I manage my schedule, the way that I live my life. It radically changed it. I went on a personal development program, and it was over five weekends, and part, you know, part of it was discussion-based, so they actually would send us case studies and things to read. And one session, it was a Christian uh, program, and one session they said to us, we want you to read the book of James. So I was like, that's great. So I read the book of James, but I didn't only read the book of James, I ordered the commentary on the book of James. And then I read the commentary, and then I made notes on the commentary, several pages of notes on, because, you know, I wanted to make sure when I went along I had something to say, I was prepared. And, you know, then I got there and I realized, oh, you know, this discussion on James, it's like half an hour, and there are 14 of us on the program, so how much would I actually have got to say within that 30 minutes? Not only that, in the coffee break, I got talking to one of the participants, and she was like, oh, I just read it on the train on the way here. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not endorsing that and saying I think it's important that we're prepared and that we're diligent, but you know what, I just, I came away and I just said, God, there's something wrong with this picture, isn't there? And he said, yeah. 
I said, God, what is it about? Why do I do that? Why do I over-prepare? You know what he said to me? He said, Jen, you are still searching for your father. And I was like, I don't know what you mean, because I've, I've dealt with that. I feel like I've forgiven my dad. I'm really fine with not having a dad around. And he was like, I know that. It's not that. It's you never had your dad's approval. And so now you are looking for it in other ways. You're trying to get that need met in other ways. And the way you do that, Jen, is through your performance. And so, Jen, in your world, failure is not an option. You cannot fail. Because if you fail, you don't get that approval that you so desperately need and want. You know that it was just a conversation with God, but it really broke me. I just, I said, God, really? Is that, is that what I've been doing all this time? Just trying to be perfect, trying to maintain this thing so that I never fail, so that I never get it wrong because I never want to feel that I'm not valuable, that I'm not worth it, that I'm, I'm not approved of. And you know, I just had this conversation with God where he just really ministered to me. And we talked about that together and talked about some of the changes that I needed to make and how I needed to strengthen myself in God and how I needed to strengthen myself and understand who I was in God, that I needed to run to him for approval and not look to others and not look to get it through my performance, to know that it's okay to fail God loves me just as I am. And you know, in that moment, I experienced, it was painful, but I experienced freedom. And I began to make some changes in my schedule. Because you see, I would just use all the time, whatever time frame I had, that's what I would use to prepare. And so I thought, right, I need to watch this. So I began to make those small deposits of time, for me, what it looked like was making time with friends, making time with family, making time to rest, making time to have fun, because I was a workaholic. My life was my work. And I was neglecting the important things. I was neglecting family, I was neglecting friends, I was neglecting myself. And I began to make those changes. You see, when, we, when I talk about making this transition from here to here, I believe, I know it's possible because I've seen it in my own life. I have begun this journey. I'm still on this journey. You know, I believe that we, we never stop being on that journey, actually. People talk about a work-life balance. I don't believe there is such a thing. I believe, actually, it's about finding a rhythm for your life. We have seasons of intense activity, and then we need to have seasons of lower activity. And we find that rhythm. But you know, we're always going to be asking this question as we walk with God each day, God help me, what does it look like? As we transition through the different seasons of our life, our pace needs to change, our schedule needs to look different. I wonder, in your lives, if you think about the past, are there any areas of your life where maybe it's holding you back from actually making that transition? from actually taking control, taking inventory of your schedule and beginning to do life 
differently. The second question I believe we need to ask is, what's going on in our world right now? What is your current season of life? Are you raising small children? Are you nearing retirement? Are you single? Are you married? What season are you in right now? Because sometimes I think we can get stuck here because we're not embracing the season that we're in. Maybe we've, we've held on to some things that, that are from the past and, you know, they're not part of the season anymore, but we're just so trying to hold on to them that we just can't let go. It's like, no, I, I can't let go of those things. I, but we have to. Maybe for some of you, you know what? You need to lay those things down and say, I'm not going to take those things through here. I need to lay those things down. You see, because in every season, God has something to teach us. Let us never be people that are just, you know, what, waiting for the time to be over, crossing off the days on the calendar and thinking, I'm just sitting this out until then. I'm just sitting this out until life gets better and I move on. You know, God has something to teach us in every season. Every season of life is precious. And if you're finding the season that you're in a challenge and a struggle, then can I encourage you to have that conversation with God and say, God, help me, help. Get people around you, ask them to help to do this season because there is a way. There is a way that you can have balance. There is a way that you can have um, margin, that you can have breathing room in every season in your life. It's just going to look different. And if we're holding on to old ways of doing things and old habits, we're not going to be able to make that transition. And then lastly this, in light of your future hopes and dreams. In light of your future hopes and dreams. Maybe you're here today and, and you say, right now, the best that I can do is, is just get out of bed in the morning because, you know, I'm facing a bereavement or I'm, I'm facing ill health or... I want to say, that's okay. Because sometimes what this is about is resetting expectations. When you recognize the season that you're in, you reset expectations. And actually, when you're looking at this, being mindful of the future, the future is about strengthening yourself. You don't need to worry about goals and dreams and so on. The future actually is about when you're in those difficult, really difficult seasons and you're grieving and you're struggling, it's about strengthening yourself. Can I invite the band to come up? But you know, it's important to have dreams. It's important to look ahead and, and have dreams. You know, God has amazing plans and dreams for your life. I love Bill Hybels has written a book called Simplify, and it's all about this finding margin in our lives. How do we find breathing space? And he says, you know, your calendar, your schedule, should not just be a list of all the activities that you've got in your life. It should actually be a picture of who you want to become who you want to become. We need to take inventory in these three areas of our life, in the light of our past experiences, in light of our current circumstances, and in light of our future hopes and dreams. And I just want to if you, are, if you are 50 or over, 
in this room, I just want to invite you to stand for a moment. 50 or over. <laughs> okay. As I was preparing this message, I, I felt that God had something to say to you. You know, the world does not really honor old age. And, you know, our, actually, as we get older, the world tells us, oh, that we, you know, sometimes people talk about, they feel invisible as they get older. They feel as though they're not noticed. I want to say to you, God honors you. You are important to Him. You see, in the Bible, we don't slow down as we get older. Actually, the momentum on our life increases. Our roles might change, but the momentum on our life increases and we go from strength to strength. And so your capacity, the momentum on your life is going to increase as you grow older, not diminish. And I just believe that the Lord would say to you that your best years are yet to come. Your best years are ahead of you. And I want to say that we need, we need you. We need you in this church. I believe that there are, there are things that God has placed in your hands. I believe that there are businesses that some of you are going to set up. I believe there's entrepreneurs in here that God's going to, He's going to take you on a totally different journey. You're thinking, how did, you know, where did that come from? There's all kinds of things that God has for you. Your best days are ahead of you. And we honour you. Father God, I, I just pray for every single person that is standing in this room. I thank you that you know them by name. They are important to you. And Father God, I just pray that, that you would break off a mindset that says, oh, you know, I can begin to slow down now. Oh, you know, I'm, maybe I'm not needed anymore. Maybe I'm not significant anymore. Lord, I just break that off in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for a fresh anointing over them. Father, I pray for an increase of boldness, an increase of your anointing over them. Father, I say over them that your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you.